chapter four for all those kids to help also the parents understand what the kids are going through so they can talk about what did you do today at school? And they'll know what those teachers are talking about. You know, I was talking to, I've got a niece that just started kindergarten and she was telling me the story about how they all went down to the nurse's office and they're getting their eyes and their their hearing checked, their vision and their hearing checked. And I thought, boy, that is such a good point that we kind of take for granted that if our kids don't tell us they can't see that they're not having any issues. But that's not always the case either, is it? Correct. That's a great point, Melissa. Those screenings, just like a... Um, well, child check where the child has to be seen uh, by a physician or, uh, or a provider to make sure that they're healthy to go back to school. The screening is helpful because the kids don't necessarily know what's normal. So mm-hmm. if they can't see the board, they don't necessarily know that's not normal. If they can't quite hear what the teacher is saying, they don't know that that's not normal. It can impair their ability to learn, just like not getting enough sleep at night may impair their ability to learn. Well, let's talk about sleep. How much on average, and I know it varies by age, sleep per night do kids need? It's going to be a lot more than we anticipate. Those Starting at you know babies, they might need 12 to 16 hours of sleep during the day up until about a year. Then it might go down to 12 to 14 hours for those young preschooler kids and maybe 10 to 12 hours as you get into grade school. And even those high schoolers, they still probably need at least eight to 12 hours of sleep. Often they're getting a lot less than eight hours. Right. And I know some of the school districts here in Colorado have started something different this year where elementary school students are going earlier. And then because of the number of buses and schedules, high school and middle schoolers are starting a little little bit later. As a doctor, how do you feel about that? That's a great point, Melissa. This is a really good idea to really think about the kids' physiology and what's going on in their bodies. And that point is that teenagers tend to really have a physiology where their hormones are letting them sleep in later and they tend to stay up a lot later. And it's not just that they're trying to stay up later and be cool. They just really don't feel tired. Mm. And so it's really listening to the bodies. Another great thing that some schools have started doing, and if this is not the case at your school, you may want to talk to the administration, is putting recess before lunch. It's really great information that that changes how kids Um, play at recess. There's a lot less stomach troubles, a lot less visits to the nurse's office after recess because they're also not eating so fast Mm -hmm. to get ready to go out to recess. So they play, they get really hungry, they eat better and they eat a lot more of their food. There's less food wasted. And then they're able to feel a lot better afterwards. That is so interesting because I remember the same thing. We always had lunch and then right outdoors to right recess. Right outdoors when you have a full stomach oh, and you're yeah. going to run you around. Chow down to get out there. Exactly. So trying to listen to kids' bodies and get it a really good opportunity to be able to let them perform at their best. Mm-hmm. And talk to me a little bit about this hormone thing with teenagers because you're saying they truly don't feel tired. I've got a 13-year-old. She's like, but mom, I'm not tired. I'm like, but you still need to go to bed. And I still make her go to bed at a decent time. But she's like, you know, there are a lot of nights. She's like, I'm just not tired. Good job being a good mom, Melissa. <laughs> it is important. <laughs> it is important to to get them into that schedule. And that's where the, the schedule is important because they may not feel tired. But as soon as they lay down, some of those chemicals that are in the brain that allow them to fall asleep start to be produced, such as melatonin. Mm. And it hel- there's some cues that maybe help them. Maybe it's some stretching, maybe some yoga, some uh, maybe some listening to meditation, maybe reading a regular book. Reading a book to them is a great example. If they're laying down, it helps to provide some of those chemicals in a darkened room that help them go to sleep. Mm, okay. Without that, if they're watching TV, playing video games, they have nothing to stimulate them to want to go to sleep. Just like being in a casino, if you have no idea what time it is, you don't feel tired. 
Interesting. I hadn't thought about it quite like that. So screen time going off, how long should that happen before they go to bed? A, a good hour. Okay. There's good data that the blue light from those screens, any kind of screens really impairs the brain's ability to begin to produce melatonin. And so it's not just video games or TV, but also it's that stimulation of all the the images that we get. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hypes up the body and the brain and it doesn't let us feel sleepy. And that's one of the, the ways that video games and TV tend to make affect our sleep patterns. So one hour, give your brain a chance to calm down, get things ready for the next day, feel comfortable in the schedule. Is that the same theory for adults? It is. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, as adults, we watch the news, we go to bed. You know, and you're all churned up after watching the news. Exactly. (laughs) And there's one little difference with watching the news from a far away, whereas opposed to if you're on a computer screen or a video screen that's really close to you, the the blue light really affects you a lot more if it's on that close uh, close up screen. Oh, okay. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit. We're talking about schedules. And if you're just joining us, thank you for being here for Mile High Magazine. I'm Melissa Moore. And we're talking today with Dr. Jonathan Zonka. He's a family practice physician with New West Physicians here in Denver, talking about kids going back to school, the importance of schedules and plans and healthy foods for meals and making sure that's all clear. But let's also talk because we've been in kind of a heat wave here in Denver still. Outdoor sports and a lot of kids running around. What kind of things as a parent do we need to prepare them with and also be prepared to watch for that heat exhaustion? That's a great question, Melissa. We Many of the schools do not have air conditioning. And starting back this early into school, you got to be really concerned and make sure that they do have a water bottle. A lot of the schools do require students to, to bring a water bottle of some sort and just make sure they're watching out for getting hydration and they have a chance to fill it up if they need to. The next is to make sure they get enough water before they do participate in those sporting events. The issue with the heat is that we don't necessarily sweat as much as we perceive we do here in Colorado because mm-hmm. it's such a dry climate. And so you might sweat, but it dries before it really you really notice it. And so you may get dehydrated. So watching out for fast heartbeat, sweaty, clammy, not feeling well, dizzy, lightheaded. So as a parent, probably a good idea. Make sure, even though kids know to take their water bottle. I know my daughter leaves hers at home all the time. Yep. I was like, water bottle. Water bottle. <laughs> Always having to remind them to make sure that they've Reminding got that them. hydration on them. Let's talk about for kids that maybe aren't in, you know, extracurricular activities sports wise, but they need exercise every day. How many minutes a day do kids really need exercise for? You know, it's really a great um, thing to touch on because it goes back to the schedule as well as their sleep patterns and the good, ha- healthy diet. They should probably have a good 60 minutes of activity a day. So if they're not getting that in gym, maybe they wake up in the morning and they take the dog for a walk. Maybe they go for a quick run. Mm -hmm. But when they get home from school, instead of going right to their homework, maybe that's a good opportunity to get out and go and play. You know, if their pool's still open, go to their rec center. I know my Denver does a great job of providing kids that rec center pass. They can go and swim. They can go and um, go to the gym and work out. And that's a great opportunity to sort of reset the body and get them energized to Mm -hmm. go and do their homework and concentrate. I think that's going to surprise a lot of parents because there are kids that easily get 60 minutes a day, and then there are other kids who maybe get five. That's a, Yeah, it's a really good point. And so getting those kids to you know, move and get, get out and be active. And part of the hard thing is all the other types of activities that take away from our time to be active and outside, mm-hmm. such as video games or um, maybe it's just music or maybe it's doing their homework. They really should get up and take a break and 
get out and move around and do something for a little while. All right. That is a good point. One of the things that I've heard that you see a lot of is kids, and my daughter was just going through this with lower back pain, back pain. And a lot of it they're saying is due to the backpacks. Is that right? It can be a contributing factor. So that's one good opportunity to look at what are they putting in that bag, making sure it's not too heavy. Recommendations are to have the backpack no more than 10 to 15 percent of the child's body weight. So for a young child who's in first or second grade is maybe 60 pounds, they might need a six pound backpack. That's not a lot when you start to put a water bottle in and a lunch and uh, their assignment that they need to turn in, or maybe those middle school students who need to take a computer back and forth. Those can get quite heavy. Mm-hmm. So there's some recommendations on how to load a backpack, putting the heavier items closer to the body. Additionally, it's a good opportunity if a child does have back pain to go and see your uh, health provider and see if there's issues like scoliosis. And a lot of times girls have an issue as they grow very rapidly in that mm-hmm. early um, teenage years that they can develop scoliosis as the body grows so fast. About what age can that happen? Usually in the early teenage years, 12, 13, 14. Oh, okay. For some reason, I guess I was thinking it started younger. It can as well, depending on when the the child hits their growth spurt. Okay. And back pain could be a sign of that. That could be. How often? I know that kids should go in for a physical once a year. Is that right? Is that about the average? That's a pretty standard average. It's a physical, as a screening check. You don't have to have a reason to go in besides getting those checkups. And it's an opportunity for your healthcare provider to really talk to your child about all the issues that we just talked about, whether it's scheduled, but also get into some other things that may be hard for parents to talk about, whether it's sex or drugs, alcohol, tobacco, what pressures they may face at school from social media. Mm-hmm. And it's a good opportunity to think about talking about those things with your kids. Do you feel pressured to do anything at school? Do a lot of your friends... Um, use alcohol or drugs, or is there a lot of pressure at school to look a certain way? And just talk about that bullying, because this is a time, too, when we're seeing, unfortunately, uh, a lot of depression in kids and increasing risk of suicide. So there's always those crisis numbers, too, maybe even having one on on your fridge. And we've done a lot of work and talked to a lot of different folks because September is Suicide Prevention Month. And it is heartbreaking, the number of kids suffering from depression and anxiety and how young it's starting. It is really sad. And part of it is is just having that connection with your kids. And also, if you have concerns, taking them into your regular doctor. I know in my practice in the U.S., I see a lot of kids as well. And even the parents are struggling with how do I deal with all the uh, the issues that we need to take care of. And just talking and being open and honest with you know your child and having that honest discussion, like you can tell me anything, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, and having them have a place to go. What is your opinion? Because I know that there are kids, young adults, preteens who are suffering from anxiety and depression. What about medication? How do you feel about that? That's a good question, Melissa. And a lot of times that's up to the individual situation. And that's a good time to talk to your doctor about, is this warrant medication? And there's a lot of really good resources out there. And it can be helpful, but always we want to be careful with kids and what we do give them. So it's always a really good discussion about what the benefits and risks of that are. And how do you as a parent talk to a child about that? That's a, that's a great question. It's you know, because thing. not not all their friends are having to take something for right. depression or anxiety. A lot of it is, what is their relationship with their friends? Do they have friends? How do they feel um, when they do go to school? Do they? What is their relationship? Do they get along with others, even their siblings, if mm-hmm. they have a hard time getting along with all the members of the family? Um, and that's part of that discussion in the in the physical is who do you have friends with? What do you do with their friends? And it can be also an opportunity to talk about even some of the physical activity Sometimes physical activity can really help to treat mood disorders. 
because it can help release some of those feel-good chemicals in the brain mm-hmm. and give them something positive to feel and finding that niche, that what they want to do. So if it's maybe not football, maybe they do um, lacrosse or maybe they do rock climbing if they're more of an individualist. I think that's a great idea because one of the things I've heard uh, different friends of mine talk about is when you don't have a kid that's really into sports, how do you get that physical activity in them outside of like you talked about walking the dog? And one of the things that we've kind of found talking with other moms is there are so many different things out there you wouldn't think of, like the rock climbing, like fencing, maybe something just different they've never experienced. And that's a great opportunity to talk to friends and family and and even people in the neighborhood. Like, what what do you do? What are the other opportunities to do or even talk to the child? Because they may not realize that they might love a horseback ride and be out in nature. And that might be also therapeutic for um, some of the patients who do have depression or anxiety that animals do give a lot of benefit to uh, mood disorders. So there's all kinds of opportunities, but start ta- starts a discussion. And it sounds like, too, uh, expose your kids to different things. That's right. To and help see them what figure fits. out what they like. Yep, that's right. See what fits. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. We've been talking with Dr. Jonathan Zonka. He is a family practice physician with New West Physicians in Denver. And for folks who would like to get in touch with you, how do they do that? nwphysicians.com. And they can search for any of our locations. My office is in central Denver. And there's a phone number on the website that you can call and make an appointment. We also have a portal and you can look at all that up on the website. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you so much, Melissa. Have a great Sunday. I'm Melissa Moore. It's Mile High Magazine. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues in people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.